All right, turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 17. And we're going to be going down to the first two verses of chapter 2. So Galatians 1.17, let's read. It says, Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I, w- I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, remained with him 15 days, and I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God I do not lie. Afterward I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea which were in Christ. But they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. After uh, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel, which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might have run or had run in vain. So let's pray over our spiritual meal. Father, we thank you so much for the word of God. I know it's blessed and filled with the nourishment that we need. We're going to receive it by faith and be nourished by it. Holy Spirit, again, we call upon you as the divine teacher to anoint the eyes, ears, and heart of each person that's listening. Open them by the gift of your grace and cause them to see, hear, and understand what's being said. Father, they walk away hearing from you, and only you can do this miracle. I believe it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go start, uh, verse 17, start unpacking it. It says, Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. In this section of scripture, Paul's dealing with false teachers that entered into the church after he left and established the church. It's called Judaizers. These were Jews that, that had accepted or said they accepted the Messiah, but they said that Jesus was not only the only way to salvation, you had to keep the law. You had to be circumcised, you had to keep the Sabbath days, you had to keep the law in order to be right with God, and you needed Jesus. And so he came, they came in teaching wrong things, and they were lying about Paul. They said, well, Paul just got his message from Peter, James, and John, that once they heard that, have you ever had a game where you spoke something to someone and they repeated it to someone else and they repeated it, and it always ends up messed up? Well, they just said, that, well, he got it from Peter, James, and John. And then he corrupted it. He just changed it. And it really, that he really says he got it from God, but he didn't get it from God. Paul said, I got this gospel not from man, not from men, but from Jesus Christ directly. And so he's bringing this out that, that when he got saved, he didn't immediately go to Jerusalem. He didn't spend any time with those that are leadership in Jerusalem. He says, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went to Arabia and returned to, to, uh, to Damascus, say, nor did I go up. The Greek word for nor did I go up is to go to a higher place. After Paul got saved, he did not immediately go to a higher place. He wasn't immediately promoted among the leaders in the church. We have to see the Lord led him into Arabia. Arabia is a place of isolation. And so it's the backside of the wilderness where every major man and woman of God of the Bible got their backside of the wilderness degree. And so Moses got it, David got it, Jesus himself went into the wilderness before he started his ministry. And so that's the place of solitude. It's the place to where you're hearing from God, getting the message from God. And he said, nor did I go up 
to Jerusalem to the apostles immediately. And so again, he says he wasn't immediately promoted among leadership in the church. And so the only place that you start at the top is when you're digging a hole. <laughs> and so this is true in the Christian life. No one starts pastoring a church. No one starts out operating as an apostle, even though they may have the call when they're born again, but they're not ready to be separated under that ministry yet. There's some growth time. And so when you're first saved, you might be filled with zeal. And you have the grace. And the problem is you have the anointing. You have the grace upon you to function in what God's called you to do. Paul calls that your high calling. Your high calling is what ultimately God's called you to do. You have the zeal. You have, so, you have the grace, but you don't have character. And so instead of being a character, we need to have character. Instead of being fruity, we need to have fruit. And so it takes time between calling and separation and that's, t that's character building. That's the time. And so Paul himself had to go through that. And so instead of going to Jerusalem, he Lord led him into the desert, into Arabia. And so we're going to find out Paul really didn't enter into a full-time ministry of apostle until 15 years after he got saved. We're going to find out there was some time period of, uh, that he had to have preparation for promotion. Tell someone you've got to be prepared to be promoted. Now, you can try to promote yourself. There's, there's organizations out there that will help you start a church. And they said, well, it's like a church in a box. You just follow this stuff. You can, get, we can, get, you can actually get a church going. You can do a church plant. But if God didn't call you to, if you're not ready for it, you can do a church plant and do a face plant. And so, again, if you don't get out in front of God, I'd rather be a little behind God than in front of him. I want, to be a little, I want to be a little behind the huge wave I'm surfing than be in front of the wave, Amen. right? So for me, there was a backside of the wilderness, and that was called a janitor. <laughs> and, you know, I, I uh, went to, God called me to go to Rama Bible Training Center, graduated Rama under Kenneth Hagin and Keith Moore and all those wonderful teachers and graduated Rame. I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. I thought, hey, I graduated Bible college. I am ready to shake the world. And then I went, I said, well, you're not ready yet. We, you need to go to another year with Bobby Indian's Bible school. I went there. And so God says, okay, you're, I said, well, I'm ready, God. I'm graduated these Bible schools. I'm ready to go. And he says, yeah, you're ready. You're ready for the ministry. And so go to the church and, and I'll tell you what to do. And so I went to the church and and I just knew that Pastor Yandy had stepped down as the, as the pastor, and they were going to invite me to be the pastor. And, and so I asked about house pastor. Well, he's, he's studying. What about the associate pastor? He's having a meeting. And Well, what about uh, the, the counselor? Well, he, he's counseling. And, and so I found God gave me a perfect opportunity as janitor to start out in the ministry. And so I just started out serving there. And I said, Lord, do you not know who I am? And he says, yes, janitor. That's who you are. And I was ashamed. People would ask me, what do you do? And I said, well, I help out at the Christian school. And they wouldn't let it go. What do you help with? I help. Well, what do you help with? I'm a janitor. And I was ashamed. And so I had pride. And, and I needed humility. So, so I had to learn... 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, cleaning those led to a revelation of, of humility. And so I had to, had to learn to do that. I wasn't immediately ready to pastor a church because there was a time when I, I needed this. 
to build up my own self-worth. See, I, can't, I, was born when I, uh, I was born at an early age. <laughs> That's when it really started taking off for me. But when I was three, my mother passed away. And so me and my, had five siblings and myself, and that's six, so we got put into foster homes. And I got put into a foster home with uh, one of my brothers, and they were going to adopt me, but the, the woman uh, that was going to adopt me ended up get, dying in a car wreck. And so I got put into another foster home until th- from three to six, and then six, six years old, I was in Guymon, Oklahoma, Panhandle of Oklahoma, and that couple was going to adopt me. Uh, and so one, one night we were watching TV and there was an explosion, there was smoke and fire. And so, uh, I didn't realize till later that the lady, uh, the mother that was going to adopt me, she came out of the, out of the bath and she flipped the light switch and there was a gas leak on the property and exploded the house. And so she died two weeks later of burns. And so I had to go to more foster homes till I was eight and got adopted by the family I have. But you know what, I always thought that I was the common denominator. There was something wrong with me that that happened. And I had a wrong view of my identity. And over time, I realized that my identity is not in what I do. My identity is who I am in Christ and what he's done for me. And finally, I got to a place where I had that revelation that if I never did another thing for God, never did another thing for God, he he wouldn't love me any less, wouldn't love me any more. And that my identity is in being a son. And when I got there, the Lord says, okay, you're ready. You're ready for a ministry. And I said, well, Lord, right, well, now I'd rather not. <laughs> he says, well, I'd rather you would. I said, yes, sir. And so, again, you have to develop your sense of your identity before you're ready to be used. Because if your identity is focused in what you do, you'll get into doo-doo. <laughs> All right. He said, I, didn't, I just didn't immediately go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where the 12 apostles were. That's where everybody that wanted to be in leadership wanted. They all had their business card. They all wanted to show it to Peter, James, and John. They wanted to be in the ministry. And, the, and so immediately he didn't go there. And so he wasn't elevated and promoted right away. But he says, I went to Arabia. The Lord sent him to Arabia. But what's in Arabia? Where was he, where was he in Arabia? Look in Galatians chapter 4. In the same book, we're going to find out what's in Galatia. I mean, in, in Arabia. Galatians 4, look at verse 25. It says, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai. Say Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. In where? Arabia. Arabia. And corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is enslaved with her children. Uh, have you heard that mountain about that mountain? Uh-huh. What took place at that mountain? The law was given on the mountain. And so Paul was all about law. Right. And that he lived for the law, but he didn't understand the law, what it meant. So the Lord led him to Mount Sinai to teach him personally about the law. That it represented him and his righteousness, not Paul's. Right. And so for three years, he's out this mountain and he's in Messiah University. And there's only one instructor in this Bible school. It's Jesus. And he went through a three-year Bible school with Jesus. And so I believe that Lord led Paul out there to teach him about the law. And so Paul got saved in, uh, outside the city of Damascus, but the Lord didn't let him stay in Damascus. I want you to see something. The name of Damascus means activity. Activity. 
And so Paul in his prior life was full of self, full of activity, his plans, his desire, his will, his big plans that he wanted to do. He was full of the flesh, full of activity, and the Lord says, no, 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 I'm going to pull you off into isolation. I'm going to pull you into solitude, into inactivity, so I can speak to you. You know, some people have difficulty with silence. It's not just speaking. I'm talking about just being silent. They always have to have something going. They have to have the, the TV blaring, the radio blaring. They have to be doing something. They get it with their Bible. I'm just going to spend some time in prayer with my Bible. And, and within two minutes, they get dishes, dishes. Those dishes. You haven't thought about the dishes in a week. But all of a sudden, dishes. I'm going to be with my, clean those dishes. And we have difficulty being just silent before the Lord, especially in this generation. And I think a lot of people aren't comfortable with it because their conscience starts talking to them. And the Lord, that's when the Lord, not only the conscience speaks to us, but the Lord wants to speak to us. And so it's the time where he got him away so he could speak to him. And so, again, you may have come out here to go to Karis Bible College, and you lived a life of activity. You left your, your businesses, you left your life, and you come out here to sit at the feet of Jesus. And you feel like, yeah, I was in ministry there, but I'm not really in the ministry right now. You're in Arabia. You're in the desert. You're in the solitude. You listen to the Lord. And there's a purpose for your Arabia that you're in right now. Great men were prepared for God's use in wilderness. Moses, John the Baptist, David, Jesus. And say, you're, you're the next. If you're in an Arabia time right now, God will use it for your future. Draw upon his grace right where you're at. Can you be satisfied with where God has you? Some of you hate Colorado. It's just, I'm from Florida. I, I love the warmth. I have a scripture for you. There's a scripture that's for you. Paul said in Philippians, in whatever state I find myself in, to be content. You can be, you can be content in Colorado. It's really where the Lord is, right? Okay. But notice he didn't stay in the wilderness. He didn't stay in isolation. It's never God's will that you stay isolated. There's a season that you're doing where the Lord's dealing with you. But it says he returned again to Damascus. He returned again to activity. And when he went to Damascus, he started preaching in the ministry again in Damascus. So again, times in the wilderness are not permanent. You will return in order to minister to people. You know, Jesus would take times separating into the desert, into the wilderness. But he always returned to minister to people. And so he returned to Damascus, returned to activity. And so immediately when he was saved, he, had, he didn't immediately jump into to service. The Lord didn't have him minister right away. So he didn't immediately jump into serving the Lord. He was discipled first. And so raise your hand if you're called a pastor here in this church. Okay, and you might be watching online. Turn around and wave at our online guests. There's people all over the world. I think we've reached 110 nations that have, that have logged on and, and watched, so, so hello. And so you might be out there, you're called a pastor. There's some things you need to know when you're pastoring is don't put young, newborn Christians into leadership. And there's a tendency to do that because you have a great need in the church. You have need of this and that and the other and leaders, but don't put a newborn Christian into leadership. They're not ready for it. It's going to damage them and damage other people. And so, again, don't put talented people that are new to the faith on the platform. They'll damage themselves. Look at 1 Timothy 3. Look at verse 6. 1 Timothy 3, 6. This is talking about who do you put in leadership. 
1 Timothy 3.6 says, not a novice. Say novice. novice. The word novice in the Greek means a new plant. Newly planted. That means a new believer, a young believer. Why? Lest they be puffed up with pride, they fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Well, when the devil fell and was condemned, who did he take with him? He didn't fall by himself. He took a third of the angels with him. That's what the devil wants. He wants a young person filled with pride to get into pride, have, have a fall, and then bring other people down with them and hurt many people. So again, you need to have those that have more maturity to be in the ministry. Look at verse 18. Then after three years, say three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. Paul spent three years in Messiah University in Arabia learning about grace. You know, it takes a while to, up, uh, to uproot all of the false teaching or the wrong teaching of legalism. It doesn't happen overnight. And so it took him three years to uproot all that legalistic teaching he had and set new foundations of grace and what God has done through Jesus Christ. And so he was there for three years learning from Jesus. But I want you to see something. Who else went through a three-year Bible school instead of just instead of Paul? Only Paul. Who else went three years through a, through a Messiah University? His disciples. And so Jesus' earthly ministry was three years. His 12 disciples spent three years in Messiah University. Now, Paul's turn, it was Paul's turn to go through three years with, alone with Jesus, being taught directly from him. That's why I believe one of the reasons why when Matthias, I mean, when uh, Judas fell and, and Peter said, well, let's have a lottery. And so let's just see who, and they had a lottery, and Matthias was picked. I don't believe that was ever intention. Jesus didn't say, go up to the upper room and have a lottery. Right. He said, go to the upper room and just wait. Don't do anything. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Be led by the Spirit of God. But no, Peter had to do something. Someone that always had to do something, that's Peter. And Peter says, well, we can't just wait around. Let's do something. Let's have a lottery. And, and Matthias was picked. You never hear from him again. And I believe God's selection, if they would have waited, was Paul. And so they were called by Jesus himself, ministered and trained by Jesus himself for three years. Now Paul's going to be called by Jesus himself, and it, Jesus himself is going to train him, him for three years. And so look at 1 Corinthians 15, 7, of what verse I also looked to, that he was supposed to be the one to replace him. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 7. After that Jesus, uh, this is talking about Jesus being raised from the dead. After he, Jesus, was seen by James, then all the apostles, say apostles. Then last of all, he was seen also by me as one born out of due time. He said, I was one just like them, but born out of due time. I exactly went through the same process that they did, in the same category, the same elevation, but just out of due time. And so he says, I went up to Jerusalem. Notice it says, I went up. Say, I went up. And so he didn't hear this from the Lord. He just said, you know what? I think, the, I think I've graduated Bible school. They need to hear from me. I'm a Bible school graduate of Messiah University. And I'm topping my class. Surely the church of Jesus Christ needs me. And I come and I want to meet the leader of the church. He didn't say he went up he went up to Jerusalem to see all the disciples. He said, I want to see Peter. I want to see the top dog. I want to see the rock. 
I want to see the, and I want to hit, they, they need, he needs to know who I am. Okay. Well, even though Paul had just graduated Bible school under Jesus, he was not ready to be used. And he sought to be introduced to the church leadership, and Barnabas did that. He introduced Paul to Peter. I want you to look in Acts chapter 9, look at verse 27. Acts 9, verse 27 says, Barnabas took Paul and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Yeah, he was bold, but he didn't know a whole lot. Amen. Besides, about, uh, about true character of ministering to people. How do you minister to people in grace? So he had, he had the knowledge, but he didn't have grace. He didn't have how to minister correctly. And so I went to see Peter. Look at the word see Peter. The word see is the Greek word historio. I don't use a lot of Greek words, but if an English word comes from it, I'll use it. Historio. What English word do we get from historio? History. History. He says, I, I got revelation from Jesus. I got the message of grace, but I want to know the history of Jesus' earthly ministry. I went around. So he went to Peter. I want to know the history. What do you know about Jesus' earthly ministry? He wanted to see him and remained with him 15 days. So Paul had spent three years with Jesus in Arabia, but only 15 days with Peter. I want you to see what happened when he met Peter, met James, and then immediately, I'm going to bless the kingdom of God. I'm man's power for the hour, and he goes and immediately tries to fulfill his calling, but too early. Who was he called to? Gentiles. I want you to look at this. Acts chapter 9, look at verse 28. He's going to try to operate and fulfill his calling, but too early. Acts 9, look at verse 28. So when Paul was with them, that's Peter, James, and the leadership. When he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, he's bold, but he's not very wise in how to minister to people. I want you to see something that he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists. Who are the Hellenists? Greeks, Gentiles. He's trying to fulfill his call. And so he disputed with them. Actually, the Greek says he argued with them. He got into arguments with them. He got into heated arguments with them. Do you know you can't argue anybody into the kingdom? You really can't get anybody to agree with you based on you forcing them to get, adopt your point. You should know that, husbands <laughs> and wives. Let the Holy Spirit speak to them. Instead of forcing something. To, and so Paul would just force it and force it and argue them, and they just got into a fight. And I want you to see something that it was so, so bad that he, got, he disputed with the Hellenists, they tempted to kill him. And look at verse 30. And when the brethren found out, they said, boy, look at Paul. Isn't he amazing? Let's use him in a greater way. No. I'm sorry, clueless translation. It doesn't say that. And when the brethren, that's James, the leadership of the church, when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarshish. They put him on the, the next ship to Tarshish. Do you know where, where Tarsus was? That was his hometown. He was from Tarsus. Guess what? They put him on a ship and sent him back home. He was called, he said, we've worked hard developing this ministry and you're messing it up. You're creating havoc of the ministry that we've called you, that we've set up. 
And so they put him on a boat and sent him back home. And I want you to look at the next verse. Then. Then when? When they shipped him out and sent him back home. Then the churches of throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. <laughs> That's a sad day when they have to ship you away so the church will be blessed. <laughs> they had to get rid of him so that there would be peace and blessing. Wow. And God could bless them. Bless the church. He wasn't ready yet. And you're going to cause nothing but trouble if you try to step into your calling too early. So this trip to Jerusalem undoubtedly was intended to last a lot longer than just 15 days, but it was cut short because of this event. Paul was not yet ready to fulfill his high calling. He wasn't separated yet. And there's going to be about 14 years later that the Holy Spirit one day will speak to Paul, now separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work I've called them. And it's about 14 years after he's born again, does he hear that? And so there's a calling from the first day he got saved, and the, but there's a point of separation unto that calling, and in between is character, 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 character. Verse 19, But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother, we're going to find James, who's the Lord's brother. He was the half-brother of Jesus, had the same mother, Mary. Mary was a virgin, but he, she, was, she didn't stay a virgin. She had other children. And so James was one of the natural children of Joseph and Mary, and he was the half-brother of Jesus. Jesus' father was God the Father. And so they were half-brothers. They grew up together. And so James became the leader of the Jerusalem church, but he was not one of the twelve. Why? Well, he was the pastor of the church. The 12 disciples were not called to be pastors. They were called to be apostles. James was called to be a pastor. And James was the pastor of the local church. And we see him in leadership in Jerusalem because he's the pastor of the church. So, again, he's the Lord's brother. Look at verse 20. Now, concerning the things which I write to you, indeed, before God, I do not lie. Why does he say that? Because the Judaizers were saying Paul's lying. He said he got his message directly from Jesus. He did not. He got it from the, from the leaders in Jerusalem. And so Paul says, no, no, I didn't. I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth about that, that I didn't get my message from them. Look at verse 21. Afterward, at, what's afterward? After he got sent home uh, from Jerusalem, he says, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. Actually, he goes into Cilicia first because that's the, Tarsus is in Cilicia, He's going to spend 10 years there. He gets shipped home and spends 10 silent years. We never hear from Paul for 10 years. But then there's a, a revival in a Greek in a Gentile church called Antioch. It's north of Palestine. And the Gentiles start getting saved, and there's a wonderful church movement going on. And the leaders of Jerusalem say, hey, we're hearing about a revival among the Gentiles up in Antioch. Will you go? And said, Barnabas, will you go up and find out what's going on? Barnabas goes up there, and he sees the glory of God. He sees the power of God operating in these Gentiles. He loves it. He loves the charismatic dance that they have there. <laughs> They're so free in worship, and they don't have the law there. Yeah. Barnabas loves it. And so Barnabas goes, you know what? I'm a pastor, but I'm not a very good Bible teacher. I need a teacher of the Word of God. So he, he says, I know one. He, so he goes all the way to Tarsus and says, finds Paul, looks in the yellow pages, looks him up, and says, hey, Paul, 
we're having a church uh, revival going on. I need a Bible teacher. Will you come help teach the Bible? He's just served under Barnabas for several years in Antioch until one day they were ministering to the Lord and the Spirit says, now, now separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work I have called them. And so that's some 14 years later after he said he's ready to be used. He's ready to come out of anonymity into the ministry. But he's not going to get his self-worth from it anymore like he would have when he was younger. Look at verse 22. And I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. The Judaizer says, yeah, man. he says he didn't get it from Peter and James and John. But yeah, but he, he might have gotten it from one of the churches in the area. Because they had the message, and that's where Paul got the message, is from one of the churches in there. He says, no, I wasn't even known by face. I never attended any of those churches. So I didn't get my message from any of those churches. I didn't get them from the apostles. I got them from Jesus. I got it from Jesus Christ. Look at verse 23. But they were hearing, say hearing, but they were hearing only. These were the Christians in Judea. They were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. Paul's reputation got out. Do you know our reputation will reach further than our personal ministry can go? Let me say that again. Your reputation will reach further than your personal ministry can go. When you're first starting out in the ministry and you have an open opportunity, someone invites you to go speak, that's not the time to fast and pray. Take it. That's the Lord opened that door. And so take those when you first start out, but then when you're in the ministry long enough, there's so many doors open to you, you're going to have to pray and seek the Lord because if you take every door, you're going to get being effective. And there's so many doors opening to me now, I actually have to pray and say, yes, I can do that. No, I can't, or it has to wait. And so again, um, but they were hearing the reputation was going further what his personal ministry could go. And it's the same thing with you. So he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. Isn't that interesting? The person who was against the church trying to destroy it was now working for the church. Let me say something to you. There's some things in your life that's come to destroy your life. And God's going to turn it around to work for you. He's going to do that. Right now, that's a word of God right now. If there's something in your life that's coming and you tell this is coming to destroy me, I want you to stand to your feet because God's going to turn that around right now. Is anybody here? Something in your life right now has come to destroy you, but now it's going to turn around and work for you. Father, I thank you for those that are standing right now. Father, the things that those people and those things that are come to destroy them, Father, you're going to turn it around to work for them, and they're going to be better off than this thing has never happened to start with. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you're going to use the thing right now that's come against them to work for them, and you're going to get the glory for it. And I thank you for that it's happening right now in Jesus' name. Say amen. 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 Verse 24. And they glorified God in me. Say in me. In me. You know any praise of us really goes to the God in us? Amen. Apart from you, you could do nothing. Uh, you know, the English, Oklahoma translation, you can do squat. There's nothing you do. Anything good in you comes that comes from us really comes from the God in us. Amen. You know, whenever you receive praise, I'm going to help you. How do you handle success? You've heard stories. You've heard sermons on how do you handle when you fail right. and, and how, to, how to come up out of failure. I want to tell you how to handle success successfully. And we learned it from Jesus. You need to tithe your success. Right. I'm talking about finances. Right. Yes, 
tithe financially, but tithe your success. Look in the book of Luke. Chapter 17, look at verse 11. We're going to talk about how to be successful and stay successful. And don't let success go to your head. And you can get off that way. Look at Luke 17, look at verse 11. Now it happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then Jesus entered a certain village. There he met ten men, say ten men, who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went. How many went? Ten. Ten went and they were cleansed. And one of them. Say one. One. What's one out of ten? Ten percent. What's ten percent? A tithe. One of them, when they saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. Say giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, We're not ten cleansed. Say ten. ten. But where are the nine? Were there not any found to return to give God glory? Say, give glory to God. Give glory to God. Except this foreigner. He came back. There was ten that got blessed from his ministry. There were ten that got affected, but one came back. And you're not above your master. Ten percent came back to Jesus from the fruit of his ministry to thank him. And you're not above your master. God will allow 10% of the people that you bless come back and tell you about it. Let me tell you something. That in heaven, you'll have to wait to heaven because 90% of the people you bless and have touched, you'll never hear about it. You'll have to get to heaven to hear about the 90% that got blessed. Well, pastor, why doesn't he let all 100% come back? Well, because some people are shellfish. But if he let 100% come back to you, guess what happened to you? He would get the big head. But he's going to allow 10% to go. What do you do with the tithe of the success when they come back and tell you how wonderful you were? You don't say, oh, no, I didn't have anything to do with it. No, no. So that happens, you know, on Sundays. People say, oh, thank you, Pastor. Wonderful message. And I say, thank you. And I I collect their rose they give me. But when I collect all those roses, I immediately, every time, turn around and give them to Jesus and say, this belongs to you because it's rooted in your grace. I'll be honest with you. Without God's anointing on me, I couldn't put two verses together. I couldn't string a thought together. But it's the anointing of God that's upon you. And so whenever praise comes back to you, really they're glorifying the God in you. And so don't take it to yourself. Oh, yeah, I am all that. You're going to fall. I'm telling you how to stay successful. Chapter 2, verse 1. We're almost done. Don't unbuckle your seat, though. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and took Titus with me. He had the first journey. He had 14 years earlier, he went up to see Peter. It didn't go well because he went up. Say, he went up. But here it says, I went up again. But I want you to look down at verse 2. Look at verse 2. It says, and I went up by revelation. Before he just went up, he just wanted to go do it himself he wasn't told to do it, but now he's going to go up by revelation. The Lord will speak to him. I want you to go and submit your ministry to the church leadership at Jerusalem. Amen. And so this is 14 years later. 14 years later than what? Than the, than the end of the third year. Remember, he was three years in Arabia. Then he was in Jerusalem. This is 14 years after the three. 
I know you really don't want to be brought back with higher math. 14 plus 3 is what? 17. This is 17 years after his ministry. And what did he go, why does the Lord want him to go present his ministry to the ones in Jerusalem? Because that's his ordination. Ordination is not where men call you. They recognize your call. And we're going to find out next week that they saw the grace of God. They recognized the gift of God operating in him and gave him the right hand of fellowship and commissioned him uh, formally from the church. He's ordained 17 years later. Is he ready for ordination? If, if we need to say, tell someone you need to be prepared to be promoted. He says, I went up again. This time Paul goes up again, but this time it's by the Lord's direction in doing. The second meeting will be Paul's ordination. This trip is the same uh, time period of Acts chapter 15. What's a chapter? What's Acts 15? The first church council. The first church council comes around because of really Paul's ministry. Paul's ministry to the Gentiles is stirring up a question they hadn't had to deal with. Up until Acts 15, it was really the focus of evangelism was about Jews in Judea and Samaria, in, in Jerusalem and Judea, but now people in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth are getting born again through Paul's ministry. And there's a question, what about Gentiles? We hadn't thought about that. Do they need to keep the law? Do they need to be circumcised? I want you to see something that at Antioch, there's a revival going on and there's some Judaizers that'll go up into Antioch where Paul is and start preaching the law and Paul comes against them. And he says, no, that's not true. Look at Acts 15, look at verse 1. This is in Antioch, where Paul is. He's just finished his first missionary journey. He's come back to the church. He's ministering in Antioch, the grace of God. Acts 15, look at verse 1. In certain men, these are Judaizers, the same ones they're dealing with in Galatia. These Judaizers came down from Judea and taught the brethren. He said, you know, we're from Peter, and we're from James, and we're from John, and we're going to teach you the real way. Gentiles. This is what they taught them. Unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Well, that's disconcerting. Especially if you weren't circumcised. Look at Acts 15.2. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, he, they stood up against them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. The church of Antioch says, Paul, Barnabas, will you please go? Go to Jerusalem and figure out what is the deal with us with Gentiles. Do we need to get, if we can need to keep the law, we'll try to do whatever we need to do, you know? And so they went down to Jerusalem. They had Acts 15 meeting, and they're going to discuss this issue. So, so he goes down, but I want you to see something. They said, please go for us, but he says, I went by revelation. So they heard the request of men, but then they prayed about it. They prayed about it and said, Lord, is, should we go? And the Lord says, yes, go, present your ministry. Now it's time. So he was reticent to go back up there again. You know what? Once you've, once you've done it in your own flesh, you're a little bit gun shy about trying to step out and doing it yourself the next time. You know, people that I know are ready for the ministry are the ones that have already done it and blown up because they've done it in their own strength, but now they're, they're almost fearful to do it, like Moses. Yeah. Well, you know, Moses at the beginning says, stand out of the way. I'll kill them all one by one. <laughs> I'm delivering them one by one. I'll kill all of you. <laughs> he, he, 
And after 40 years, God calls him to go. He says, I, I, I don't know if I'm, I don't, I'm this. Then you have to really depend on God. You really need to depend on God. And so um, there's a ditch on either side. Either you're totally led by people all the time and you never consult the Lord, or you're only here from the Lord. I don't really hear, I don't want to hear what anybody has to say. You know what? God uses people to talk to you. Sometimes God will use people to put a seed thought in your heart. And if you'll take it into prayer, the Lord says, that's me. Well, Lord, why couldn't you talk to me just straight? Because you're a knucklehead. <laughs> really, Lord? So he'll use other people to put a seed thought from him. And you pray about it, and the Lord will confirm that. Sometimes he'll say something to you and then confirm it through people. But again, don't get in either ditch. Well, it's all people or it's all the Lord. No, God uses people. And he speaks to you. And so he communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. He presented his ministry to them, but privately of them who are of reputation. Why did he do it privately? Because it's wise. Whenever you want to speak and present something to a large mass of people, it's good to get the leadership on board first. And so he just got the leadership and said, this is what my message is. And they said, you know what? That's the message we preach, and so we're on the same page. And so he did it, a, a rep lest I by any means I might have run or have run in vain. What does that mean? Well, did Paul, want, did he say, maybe I had the wrong message. You know, may, I gotta, maybe the Lord wants me to give it to him because maybe I had the wrong. No, no, no. He knew he had the right message. So what is he saying here? Whether I have run or am running in vain. It's that, you know what, if his message was different than Jerusalem's message, there's going to be division. There's going to be strife. And wherever he goes, people are going to point that you're not in line with what Jerusalem's teaching. And it's going to hinder him wherever he goes. But if we come into unity, it's going to help the ministry out. And so Paul said, I submitted it to them, and we were in unity. Bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for the word of God. The Lord, you've called us and gifted us and anointed us, but... There's a point of separation where we're separated under the ministry. And, and today, the Lord would say, don't, don't get ahead of me. Wait till you hear from the Spirit of the Lord saying, now separate me and put your name in it for the work I've called them to do. Be faithful where you're at. I'm not saying don't do anything, but just serve. Be faithful where the door he's open to you now. Because the door he's open to you now is a key to the door he will open to you. And if you're not faithful in this door, how will he ever open to you the other door? If I hadn't started as a janitor, how would he have ever opened this door? And so the Lord's saying to you, be faithful, be faithful, trust me right where you're at. I know what's happening. I know it seems like you're ready, but when the time comes, I'll communicate it, and it'll be a lot better than if you do it yourself. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. So the Lord was showing me that um, if you've ever done a puzzle, uh, sometimes you'll come to a place where it's, oh, I just know this piece goes right here, and yet it really doesn't. And you can even try and force it, but if it doesn't go there, it doesn't go there. You have to wait till more of the puzzle is put together, and then all of a sudden you can see, oh, it goes right here, and it fits perfectly. So there's uh, some people here where 
you're, you're recognizing some things, um, but we can't force those things of God. He has a purpose. He has a plan. He has a calling. Continue to wait on him. Trust him. He is, just as we were uh, have been taught today, he's preparing us. He's doing that work in us that only he can do. And when it's time, man, it's going to flow. It's just going to work. God's going to open those doors, and it'll be a great blessing. So if there's anybody here that you're a little frustrated and where you're at, I just encourage you just what was taught today. Open up, receive that. God, I thank you. You are doing that work, and I trust you, and you will unfold that in your timing. I hear the Lord say there's some in this room that feels like you're sinking. In life situations, circumstance, it may be relationship, it may be work, maybe finances. But you feel like you're sinking. And the Lord's saying, I'm your anchor. I'm I'm your safety. I'm saying, come in the midst of the storm and walk on the water. Trust me. I won't let you down. As we sing this frame one more time, just say, Lord, I, I thank you that you gave that word to the pastor the, that you hear me. And the Lord's saying, you're okay. I'm bringing you through to the other side. God gave me a word, and that was that God only has plan A. There is no plan B. And if you feel like you've blown it, you haven't. Because he's got the resources, the people that will cross your path to get you back on track. He's seen it from before you started. And he knew what was going to happen. And he's got you, your path aligned. And he will get you back on track. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance.